Hi, I'm Cody Elaine Oliver. I created the popular Black Love docuseries with my husband after seeing the lack of Black people in media and entertainment in happy, loving relationships. We were actually being told there was a Black marriage crisis. So I asked Black people who were married what it takes to make their marriage work. And after more than 200 interviews, I've heard it all. So buckle up and enjoy getting the full story directly from the couples themselves. This is Black Love, The Interviews. Funny thing is, we've known each other since, well, we didn't know each other, but we went to the same elementary school. Yeah. I was four, she was five. Um, Went to an elementary school in East New York. Wait, four um, or five, so you saying I'm older? You are older. I'm not saying that. I mean, you don't got to put are it out there like older? that, but all right. You was, you was in kindergarten. I was in nursery. Uh-huh. So we went to this school called Bethlehem Baptist Academy. It was a very old school West Indian Baptist, like, they yeah, used to beat you private with the school. private school, right? <laughs> so we moved from, my parents moved from Flatbush to Canarsie. They took me out of the school. But our sisters and brothers still went to the same school. Now, the funny thing is our brothers are the same age and our sisters are the same age. Mm-hmm. So our sisters were still going to the school in middle school. And I used to go there in the summertime to take my sister to summer school and she would be there. Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really focused. In middle school at this point, you know. You were too know, busy playing basketball. Playing he basketball. was not even you know checking what I'm saying? for me. It wasn't even about girls that much at that point. <laughs> but so, I was kind of like, oh, he's yeah. cute. You know, sixth grade. <laughs> cute. <laughs> So we so, our, our paths kept crossing like over yeah. the years. Even high school, we went to rival high schools. You know, he was the football pops, player. Remember my pops saw you at the spring, yes. the spring fling, the spring festival, spring festival. Yes. My pops comes home and say, "Yo, there was this girl. You had to see her." And I was that just was like, <laughs> and this was when I was in tenth grade. You were in eleventh yes, grade. Yes, right, right, right. She used to do pageants, so she had won a pageant, so mm-hmm, she was hosting. Mm-hmm. I was hosting the event, and I saw his dad, and I'm like, oh, Mr. Ellis. So, you know, saw his dad there, but we actually did not start, you know, talking, dating, or not even dating, but just introducing ourselves to each other um, until he was being he was receiving a scholarship at a banquet from that same school. From the same school, I just graduated from high school. And I was, I was from high school. right, and I was there helping to give out awards, co-hosting the event. And I saw him from a distance with his brother and his dad and everything. Yo, rewind, rewind. You skipping some intricate parts. What's that? that? The fact that she saw my name on the flyer and was like, oh, so DeVal's going to be here. She used to see me working at haagen when I, I was playing football and never say nothing to me. He was she working at haagen in the mall. And never say nothing. I never saw her. Nope. But she used to see me. And I then, was straight, like, peeking. You know the bitmoji that has, like, the little goggles that's, like, looking from a distance? That was me. So <laughs> I can admit that now. We're at the banquet, right? And I'm standing with my brother trying to look dab, but you know what I'm saying? And she walks up with a crown on. Yeah, I had, like, my crown and banner sash. and dress on. Was like totally doing the most that day. And I had no choice up, though. But she's like uh, Brian and Deval Ellis, and I'm like, I ain't gonna lie. First, I was like, <laughs> yeah, but then she said my name, so that like, I was like, what's up, you know? <laughs> and then she was just like, hi, I'm Kadeen or whatever. And I was yeah. like, oh, what's up? So we. And then the whole night he was playing hard to get. I mean, we were really just like talking back and forth. And at the end of the night, I was like, are you not gonna ask me for my number? So I'm like waiting for it, and he doesn't. He doesn't. His mom comes and takes a picture of us and everything, and it's like we're about to leave. And then I just took his program booklet out of his hand, wrote my name and number in it. Oh, I got something <laughs> on the hook now. I got her on the hook now. Wrote my name and number in it, and I was just like, I think you should just use and that. And the way she did me. it, it was like it was like she was mad. <laughs> she grabbed me. She's like, oh. <laughs> then she's. I did, but so you called. Then, so then I calling her all summer. Didn't know that she was a pageant girl. I'm calling her. Never answering the phone. No, her I was just traveling a lot. Answering the phone, and she's just like, "Kanae's not here." Hanging up. At the time, her sister was what eight? Yeah, like seven or eight. Seven or eight. And she was not interested. here. not here. Hanging up the phone. So I'm like, "Why <laughs> she dodging me?" I thought she was curving me. I thought she was like in the back or whatever. So I was like, "Fine." No, I wasn't. Then I'm about to leave for school. I called her one day. I was like, "Yo, I'm getting ready to leave the school. Let's get together." Turns out we live five blocks away from each other walking distance yeah we went to rival high schools across town from each other so it was like divine intervention so i called her up i'm like let's get together i leave i think i was leaving august august third end of august no no oh right after the banquet yeah so she goes fine let's get together i call her the days we leave she's like oh i got a headache i'm like man it's the last drug i'm not i'm not doing this i'm a scholarship athlete you know what i'm saying playing football i'm not chasing after no girl that's what i was saying in my mind 
So I stopped calling her. Yeah, I didn't hear from him for the rest of the summer. The school year started. One day I went to pick up my sister. Just so happens he went to pick up his sister. The only difference was he had some chick on his arm. So I was like, oh, okay. I guess he moved on rather quickly, you know? <laughs> but I was like, maybe she's just a friend though. Maybe she's like a cousin she or wasn't. something like that. So I was like, I maybe mean, I should find his number and find out. So I couldn't find his phone number. Tell so him what you did to get my number. Long story short, I went to www.whitepages.com, looked up his father's name because I know he lived in a five block radius. Found his dad's address. Drove by my number. parents' house. Oh, I did do a drive-by, but that was to just To see me. if my car was in it. You know. It's and then crazy. I ended up calling his mom. But I sat on the number for a couple of days. But here's another funny thing. Um, I sat on the phone number for a couple of days, and then I got a call from my pageant director. And she was like, hey, Kadeen, I have an event for you to go to at Hofstra University. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I was like, I might be transferring to Hofstra. I'm waiting to hear back on my college acceptances. I was at Hofstra. He was at Hofstra. That was one of my three schools. Another coincidence. So I said, oh, that's funny. I'll be at Hofstra, you know, possibly. I said, I'll go for the event. She's like, okay, well, the event starts at this time, gave me the information. <laughs> so I was like, ding, 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 light bulb moment. Like he's going to be at Hofstra because he started school there. I'm going to be there. So I was sitting on the phone number for so long. I'm like, this has to be a sign. So I call him. I'm like, hey, I'm going to be at Hofstra October 3rd for an event. Maybe we can link up, you know? And she he's called just my like, mom okay. and got my cell phone number. My mom I did. just gave it out. She did. Because like, she remembered me. I'm like, yo, mom, what you doing? Like, yeah, she was like, I have the cutest picture of y'all, which we still do. I have to find it for you. It's so funny. Yeah. Um, when we first met. And then... I had a skinny neck. I don't even know what she saw. Me. I'm my not sure either, actually. Big. My ears were sticking out. <laughs> oh, no, God. you were cute. You were cute. You were cute. And um, yeah, we met up October 3rd. And that's actually our, like anniversary hour. Yeah. So October 3rd, 3rd 2002. Met up at Hofstra. the first day we met at Hofstra. And she we've first, spoken she every day since then. I'll never forget the then. phone call. I'm coming out of football practice to get a phone call. Hello, handsome. I did not say it like that. I'm like, who's this? <laughs> She's like, who it sound like? I said, it sound like Kadeem. But I haven't heard from her since August. She said, ding, ding, ding. At least he knew my voice. So I'm like, oh, what's up? She's just like, yo, I'm coming out to Hofstra tomorrow. You gonna be free? I was like... Oh no, I ain't had nothing to do. But I was like, <laughs> oh no. So then I go, she's like, fine, we meet up, I leave. Soon as I leave practice, I tell my boy, like, yo, I got a bad chick gonna come see me. I'm gonna bring her by the cab so y'all can see her. So I go leave. Little practice. did I know I was getting paraded around. around I, go to, I, go to, I go to pick her up, right? She drove <laughs> driving her RAV4. I pick her up, my speakers is all blasting, mad loud, like I'm cool. It's it's just horrible. Uh pick her up, we go to the calf. So now she only weighed like 115 pounds when I seen her. Back in the day. She was masking, right? <laughs> so I'm like, you want to get something to eat? I'm thinking she's going to order like a salad, right? Nope. She's like, yes, I will. As a matter of fact, <laughs> we go along. She's Starving. like, can I have uh, honey turkey, American cheese, lettuce, tomato, uh, onions, on a hero. vinegar, salt, pepper on a hero. Oh, you know my I'm hero I'm like, order. Jesus. That's love. I'm like, you know Jesus. somebody's hero order? Yes. I know the whole hero order. Then we go back. I give my, my guys give me the thumbs up. You know what I'm saying? We go back to the room. She scarfed the hero down. <laughs> side of my bed, folded her legs. And she's just like, ow, ow, And just having conversation. And lettuce, I literally... Lettuce coming out and everything. She not caring. <laughs> She's so extra. And I'm just like, I'm just like, oh, she this must be love. She don't care. <laughs> she ate the whole thing. I was very, That goes to show that I was so comfortable. Like, he wasn't even creepy. Like, oh, I'm going back to his room. Like, no funny business. No, it was just legit. Like, I met up with an old friend that I had known for years. And we three were just... Hours. Three hours. Just talking. I was gearing up for October 3rd, 2002, because I... I was actually just hoping to go and find a really good friend. Like, of course I was attracted to him, but I felt like, okay, if I go to Hofstra, then I'll know someone there because I was gonna be going to a new campus. And I just kind of really deep down felt that it was really strange that we kept crossing paths so much. And it was really between three schools for me. It was the Boston University, the University of Maryland, and Hofstra. And my mom was like, you know, where do you wanna go? And she's just like, I think you should go where it gives you the most scholarship money. So it was really gonna boil down to that. So needless to say, after October 3rd, when we had such a great time talking, we spoke pretty much every day since then. Um, when I finally got the letter in the mail that Hofstra was giving me scholarship money, it kind of just seemed like it, it had to happen. Um, I was not though looking for a boyfriend at the time because my parents were super overprotective. I was like, I just want to go, I want to have fun. I want to just hang out, go to parties and just do different things. Like I wasn't trying to be bogged down with, you know, just one particular so person. So I mean, 
And you yeah, put a lot of yeah, thought into a familiar that face. Shit, huh? <laughs> She put a lot. She ain't fronting on a TV. A familiar don't face front for TV now. and everything. No, I'm, I'm not fronting for TV. I ain't going front. But I was I like, was I will say though, after October 3rd, when I left him that day, I called my cousin on the phone, and she can attest to this to this day. My cousin Sophia, I said, "Girl, I found my husband." After our October 3rd meeting. So prior to, I wasn't looking for a husband. But after the meeting, I found my he's husband. Look, he's looking for a... F- to start. <laughs> yo, 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 girls be fronting. <laughs> I was 18. I, I was looking to smash. I saw her. She's bad. I was like, oh I smashed. Oh, my God, you're as, awful. And as soon as we were done, I called my cousin. I said, yo, I'm going to smash. <laughs> That's exactly You never told happened. me that happened. That's exactly what happened. Did you really? I called I called Brian. Oh. I said, yo, you remember what That sounds like something <laughs> yeah, you would say. Yeah, I'm going to smash. Oh, whatever. Well, I made and you then, wait though. Yeah, I had to wait. You had to wait. But you know what's funny though? Like, <laughs> we we spoke for mad long, mm-hmm. and I did feel like, like, man, this is not. Cause I had a girlfriend at the time. So oh yeah. It was sidebar. <laughs> yeah, it was my girlfriend, and I'm a freshman in college. My girlfriend was still in high school, mm-hmm. so she wasn't coming out to see me. So I really just wanted to smash something, and. <laughs> I was like, okay, she got a call too. Oh, it's about to be a wrap. Then we talked for like three, four hours. I'm like, yo, she's mad cool. I was like, dang, she's mad cool. So she kept coming out and it was never no creep moments. Like whenever I see her, it was just like, we would just talk about stuff. And then before I know she had to go back home and it was never that moment for me to try any moves. Yeah. We really were just talking. Yeah. Like just talking. And then... Yeah, it just organically happened. And I think that's what is the best thing about our relationship. Even to this day... Um, I told her, too, Everything. I said, you know I don't want a girlfriend. Yeah. I said, well, I, I don't want a boyfriend. Well, this is what happened. Oh, we were in my room in, at Hofstra in, um, by November. We were making out. And everything was going as normal. And I'm thinking, this may be time and... Mm-hmm. She started crying. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a really like ugly cry. Uh, it was an ugly cry. It was not. No, it was like it was an ugly cry. <laughs> it was, was not. Yeah, it was definitely a Viola Davis cry. Oh my gosh. She was definitely Sorry, Viola. I love coming. you, girl. I love but you too, yeah. Viola. But she was crying. So I'm like, what are you crying for? I'm like, did I do something wrong? And like, like, what's the matter? She was like, I can't be number two. <laughs> I got my only number one. I can't do this. You're so obnoxious. Then I she got dressed. And she's like, um, you're going to have to make a choice. And I'm just like, a choice? I'm 18. Like, I don't got to choose for no girl. Like, you need to relax. She's like, fine, I'm leaving. So I'm like, fine, leave. Then she got up and left. So I was like, oh, shit. I did leave. She leaving. So then it was honestly like a scene from a movie. She was in her car. I got in my car. I was hoping that she didn't leave campus without, because I didn't want her to feel like she didn't matter. So when she was driving away, I cut her off in my car. Like legit. At a four-way stop sign, too. Cut her off. So now he's blocking traffic and everything. And I got out the car and I was like, please, just don't leave. Please don't leave. And then she got out and she was crying and then we started kissing and everybody. And then talking. everyone was like, Yeah. Nice scene. Now yeah. cut. And then it was like, because it's still right now. They were like, huh? Get the fuck out the street. Huh? Hey, fam. It's me, Cody Lane Oliver, co creator of Black Love and proud Howard grad. I'm just popping in to say thank you so much for listening to Black Love the Interviews and to share a little something that our friends at Target are doing to help uplift the next generation of Black talent. Target is teaming up with HBCUs to create Target's HBCU Design Challenge, where students submit designs to be included in Target's Black History Month collection. Plus, winners also receive a cash prize, equipment, mentoring, and networking opportunities. Make sure you check back during Black History Month to see all of the winner's designs that will be featured in Target's 2022 Black History Month collection. Celebrate your legacy, invest in the future. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. Visit Target.com slash Black Beyond Measure to learn more about Target's commitment to HBCUs. Man. So Let me see. Year. So this, this was, was year your freshman year and my sophomore year because I was a grade ahead of him. So um, We practically lived together on campus. Yeah, we did. All of college. Mm-hmm. I ended up uh, trying out for the Detroit Lions in 2006 and then mm-hmm. making the team. Right. And it was during this time that I realized how important she was to me because not for nothing in college, she made all my meals. We did everything together. There was a, one time in particular I had a separated shoulder, but I still had to play. And this always sticks in my head. When you get a separated shoulder, you have to sleep sitting up. And we were in her apartment. 
and she set up my bed for me to sleep and sit up. And then oh, I yeah, see on the couch. another <laughs> setting and I'm like, what are you doing? And she sat right there with me, laid her head on my shoulder and slept sitting up with me. This was before <laughs> we were engaged. This yeah, was this no, was no NFL. School. I never had aspirations to play in the NFL. All of college, I never talked about the NFL. So it wasn't like, a, I'm going to do this because she just was there. She was always there. I had four surgeries in college. She was there every surgery. She took care of me. She helped me through everything I had. She taught me how to read my DAR. I never had to see my academic advisor because she taught me how to do all these things. I graduated with 3.2 GPA. Like, she was just there. So when I moved to Detroit and I didn't have her that first year in the NFL, I suffered from depression. I ended up becoming addicted to pain meds because playing in the NFL is real, it's hard on your body. And I was taking pain medication and the culture is that everybody's doing it so it's normal. And you're making so much money, you're just like, I'm gonna do whatever I gotta do to make as much money as I can. So I ended up, at one point I was taking 14 pills a day just to get through practice. And that became a regimen, regimen. And I was doing it every day for all my whole season. 2007, she was graduating from- From grad school. So I ended up staying at Hofstra for an additional two years after he left to finish grad school. So when he did come back from Detroit to and fro, I was kind of trying to visit him. And I could see how unhappy he was out there. Mm -hmm. Um, He really didn't have any family, didn't have anyone. I didn't know the extent of his um, pain, you know, medication addiction. I did know though, when he came back to me in the off season, something was very different with him. His mood, he used to have like um, mood swings. He would get very like, not violent, but very kind of aggressive. And then he would be very withdrawn. And I was just like, it seems like, you know, he went to war and back, like what happened? I I couldn't tell what it was. And I remember one night in particular, I called his uh, receiver coach because he was very close with him. And I was just like, you need to talk to DeVal or come see him or something because he's just not himself. And at that point, he was almost like in cold sweats in the bed. He was like crying. And that was so much not like him. Like anyone who knows his personality, he jokes, he laughs all the time. Like you can see what I have to deal with on a daily basis. So I knew something was wrong deep down and I couldn't tell. Um, And that's when he pretty much came out and told me what happened and we kind of got him help with that. And once that was, you know, we were past that hump. I, um, aw, babe. Every time I talk about that was a dark time for me. No, I know. I just, people don't understand it. You make it to the NFL, you got money, there's women, you, you live in a nice house, everybody's cheering for you. You just not happy. And every day you in the NFL could be your last day. You just don't know if they're gonna come in there and say today's your last day. And then you go home and it's you in an apartment. Yeah, he didn't have anything out there. So once I graduated, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna take some time and come out there. Um, and at the time I was looking to I was start mean my when career. I got back too. Yeah, you was I, I was, was like, who is this I person? I just didn't know. A lot of it was just a pain medication. I didn't know what was wrong with myself. I felt like I lost myself. I was living on my own. Then I came back to living with her. So I was mm-hmm. living on my own for like seven, eight months. I was used to going wherever I wanted to go, do whatever I wanted to do. And then I come back and she's just like, where are you going? What are you doing? And I have a bunch of times. I'm still taking the pain medication. And on top of the pain medication, my we have nothing to do. So my friends are bringing alcohol and we're drinking at two in the afternoon. And I'm depressed. I don't know why. I'm checking my bank account every day. And I'm just, it was it was hard. And not having her during that NFL season was like the hardest thing for me. This was two, so at that point Three we had years. been together, no, five years, 2007. 2007, yeah. 2007, right. so we were together at five years at this point. So that's a lot of time invested mm-hmm. at this point. And I know how much it meant to him to have someone there. So I had a discussion with my parents, so they weren't happy. They were just like, what, my 22-year-old daughter's doing what? Like, where are you moving to? But I just knew deep down that I had to be there for him. And this was a moment in time for him to really set himself up, to establish himself, and to really, you know, prove that he belonged. I mean, he had a really rough time, you know, walking onto Hofstra as a football player, then having to try out for the NFL when his friends around him were being drafted, you know. So I know that it's something that he he definitely wanted to do and he had something to prove. And I was like, you know what, I'll rock out. I was like, shoot, and I've been in school for the past 20 years of my life anyway. I need a break, you know? So I went out to Michigan with him. Like, you, 
God puts people in your life. We've had our ups and downs. We've had like really, really bad dark times. I cannot, I'm my best self when she's here with me. My best season was in 2007. The whole off season, she was with me. That was a great year. I come, I balled out the whole off season. He did, he was really I ended good. up tearing my knee and I was on the PUP list and I ended up not playing the whole season, but they kept me on the active roster the whole year. I did that good. And I just felt like it was all because I had her. Like, I don't, I don't know what it's like to be single as an adult because she's been here every step of the way. Right. And I don't, I don't want to know. And yeah, it's one of those things too where you know we've had our times where we were just like maybe we should just go our separate ways. I say we've been married and divorced a couple of times within the same relationship, but that's just because yeah, it's been 15 years. And I mean, if you can't be honest about that and say that you've you've grown with someone through that. You know, think about it. We met each other when we were 18 and 19 years old. We were kids. We were kids. Didn't know what, I didn't know what being a monogamous dude was. Like, we... No, nobody... We, we were trying no to figure it out I still. I forget. I'm still trying to figure out what I'm doing. I'm 33 years old. That's true. We're still trying... At I least we're figuring it out together. That's the good thing. And we have a good time doing it. So, it makes it worth it in the end. In 2007, we moved to Michigan. And... Her career is very important to her. She has a master's degree in speech communication and uh, broadcast journalism. So I wanted her to stay with me in Detroit. And she was talking about going back to New York. And she made it very clear to me, like, I'm not trying to be your baby mother or your living girlfriend. You know, we have to make this official if we're going to stay together. And I was like, what are you tripping about? Like, you know, what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. I still wasn't prepared to get married. Um, I didn't think she was prepared to get married. She had got an opportunity to do a traffic girl search for... Oh, yeah, traffic reporting traffic in Michigan. Traffic in Michigan, and she mm-hmm. made the top five out of, like, 500 people. So I knew she wanted to do TV. And I was like, man, if your career is still that important, we're not going to be together. In order for you to get a job in TV, you might have to go to, like, Wichita, Kansas somewhere. But she made it clear to me that she wanted to either be engaged to get married or she was going to do her thing. So I was just like, I can't let her walk away. I was just like, I gotta... I thought you just wanted to propose. I didn't know it was I all did that. Wanna, I did want to <laughs> propose, but I wasn't I didn't give you an ultimatum. You didn't give me... You, yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah, you did. You, did I? You, you don't want to call it an ultimatum. Okay. But <laughs> it was right, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't... We were living together. We had been living together since college. Realistically, what are we waiting for? And for me, it's part of... To me, it was part of the American dream. You make, make money, buy a house... You get a girlfriend, now she's your fiance, then you get married. So at that point, I was good. I was financially stable. I was secure. And it was just the next move to make. So then why did you say you didn't think you were prepared to get married? Because I didn't think I was prepared emotionally. And I wasn't prepared. I didn't think I was prepared to be monogamous for the rest of my life. Like, that's the rest of your life forever. And this was... 2008 when I I proposed. Mm -hmm. So I was only 24 years old. Right. I was 24 years old. Like, I I still hadn't even experienced life. I had been with her since I was 18. We lived together. I never had that opportunity to kind of be a man and and Mm -hmm. sow my oats or just be a man. And I just felt like I wanted that opportunity, but I had to make a choice. Was that more important to me or being with someone who helped me become who I am? And I chose to help someone you know, chose to be with someone who helped me become who I am. Oh, we were we were engaged about a year for two and a half. Years. Yeah, um, yeah, engaged almost two years. years. Yeah, almost two years. We were engaged for. We got married July fourth, two thousand ten. Not patriotic at all, because everyone asked that yeah. why July fourth. I was like, it was cheap. It was a Sunday. <laughs> yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a, a Sunday. Sunday, and people had off the Monday, so I was like, oh, it's like a Saturday feel because people can drink and hang out. I got so, released. yes, I, I proposed. That was in, another rough thing. I proposed in June. May. Promotes in May. I proposed in May mm-hmm. at my brother's graduation party. I ended up getting released from the Lions in August. Unexpectedly. Right. right. I was expected to be on the team. They ended up firing the coaching staff and I got released. Hey fam, it's me, Cody Lane Oliver, co-creator of Black Love and proud Howard grad. I'm just popping in to say thank you so much for listening to Black Love The Interviews and to share a little something that our friends at Target are doing to help uplift the next generation of Black talent. Target is teaming up with HBCUs to create Target's HBCU Design Challenge, where students submit designs to be included in Target's Black History Month collection. 
Plus, winners also receive a cash prize, equipment, mentoring, and networking opportunities. Make sure you check back during Black History Month to see all of the winner's designs that will be featured in Target's 2022 Black History Month collection. Celebrate your legacy, invest in the future. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. Visit Target.com slash Black Beyond Measure to learn more about Target's commitment to HBCUs. I got released in August 2008, and we stayed there through Christmas and mm-hmm. the holidays, and we moved back in January of 2009. And for me, that was the hardest transition of my life. I didn't know where I was going. We finally moved back to Brooklyn. At that point, I was I was signed to the Cleveland Browns, but I knew again that I was going to be leaving in March to go to OTAs. But my whole life was up in the air. Now I'm engaged. I have a house in Michigan. The economic crisis happened in 2008. I lost 40% of all of the money that I had saved and invested because of the economic crisis. What happened is when when the economic crisis hit, I wasn't working. So when everyone's stock prices dropped and the houses dropped, I had to pull my money out of the market because I didn't have any income. So I just lost it. So for me in 2009, between January and May, is like the darkest part of my life. People who are always around you when you're playing football, are gone. You move from your big house in Michigan back to your apartment, but you still have all of those bills to take care of. I had two properties. I had two cars. I was paying for my aunt's car note. I had all these bills, and I wasn't making any money. And I had this woman I had just asked to marry me that I had to take care of. And for me, that's my responsibility. So it was the darkest time, the darkest time in my life. And Kay was my rock. It was... March, we came back. Yeah. One day she woke up. She was crying. She was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I was just like, we can figure it out. And she went to Mac in Kings Plaza. Went there, told them she had experience. She went and got a job. Within six months, she was the manager and she had insurance. We didn't have insurance because I got released. Right. So then she got health insurance. And I had made her a promise. I said, focus on just keeping the health insurance. When I start acting full-time and I get a SAG membership, we'll have health insurance and you can stop. Right. And, and also, too, he wanted to start his business at the time, too. So it was like this transition point for yeah. both of us because we went from living the the life and not even to say that the quote-unquote NFL lifestyle, meaning like spending money on tons of lavish things. We didn't. Because we didn't. We really took this as like a head start on life. I know for right. Deval, he's very like conscious when it comes to like um, finances and business mm-hmm. and, and investing. So, you know, at one point he had said to me, he was like, I would feel better if that money, we blew it just on vacation. And bags and shoes and cars and jewelry. And he didn't do that. So that was the most most heart hurtful part to him, I think. That losing he losing that money in the stock market. It's like, man, I, I could have done so much with that, you know, in the property. So that transition point was hard for us too because um I at the time wasn't working, but I did come back home. I found the job at Mac and started to build my own makeup business. And I figured I can hold things down for a while while you mm-hmm. start your business up. Um because, all my money had to go into investing in business. Right. Had to buy laptops i had to invest in the rental space at for the, the gym. gym yeah um that's what he's in the first year of the business you're not making any money right so i had some savings left and i had got my severance paid from the nfl which kind of helped me build my business and keep the houses afloat but everything else was on her right so and then also too we're down. like trying to plan a wedding because then also too like the girl in me and it's the, of course it's the like young immature girl is just like well, I don't want to have a long engagement. Well, I just still want to get married. And I want the wedding. And he was like, well, I have this money that I got from the severance pay. He was like, do you want a wedding or do you want a house? And I'm like, both. I want both, you know. And at the time, I don't think it really clicked to me what was happening financially for us. I knew. So we, we, we struggled with that at the time because I was just like, well, I just want to have a wedding and be married to you. And he's just like, well, we got to live. Like, what do we do? You know? So we struggled at that point because, you know, I had to finally eventually listen to him and be like, all right, listen, like, he knows best. Um, he's she always good with money. over the house. Right. And not for nothing, she deserved it. One thing I learned about life now is I'm young. I can always make more money. But you don't get those those experiences back and she had dedicated a large part of her life to me in college going to the NFL she moved out to Detroit so it was just like all right 
and it takes you maturity now that I'm 33 to realize that at the time we used to beef all the time like yo right you wanted this big wedding we could have been in the house we could have bought a, a brownstone it could have been worth two point something million dollars blah 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 right. we argued about that at times but now seeing where our life is and the fact that we did make more money and we built a business that's substantial and our kids are doing well it's like we went through some rough times but we were able to do what we wanted to do and we made it mm-hmm. and seeing her happier on our wedding day was it was amazing it was like great it was and we'll never get that back one thing i never want to be able to say is oh i wish we could have did more we did it we did it and it it was hard but we did it right in the my three years in the (laughs) nfl every time we traveled i was like okay let's not do it this way let's do it smaller let's do it smaller let's not get this let's get this Mm -hmm. let's do it this way i'm gonna put money here and then in three weeks i literally lost one hundred and twenty thousand dollars in the stock market I'm never going to get that back. And it's like, I could have, we could have traveled first class. We could have did jets. We could have did all these different, and had those experiences. But I always plan it for the next and the next. The next is never promised. So are you really going to skip out on what you can do now to plan for the next? I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah, I believe yeah. enough in myself and my family that we can always provide and create and generate revenue. So we enjoy ourselves. Now, we still live, you know, smart and within our means. But that, that having a wedding that way, it was great. I, I enjoyed it. Me too. (laughs) When we're at those times where we really feel like we can just call it quits and just walk away, I think what saves us a lot of the time is um, that brutal honesty. And as cliche as it sounds, communication. That's one thing that we've always had from day one, from sitting on his bed, scarfing down that sandwich, three hours of talking. I mean, we just always communicate. Maybe sometimes we over communicate. And then it, it puts me in my feelings or it may put him in his feelings. But we think I think we know ultimately at the end of the day, we want what's best for each other um, as individuals, because only at that point can we help each other together. So that brutal honesty and that communication really, I think, is what allows us the opportunity to express how we feel and then give each other the choice to decide whether or not this is something you really want to deal with or is this something we can really get past. And sex. And sex. That helps you. I'm a very physical person. <laughs> I knew you were going to include that. I know you said so well. Listen, if we're going to be honest, we're right. going to be honest. Sometimes okay. we just don't agree. That's true, like, too. Fuck it. <laughs> you you think A, I think B. I'm not going to sit up here no more argue due to the morning time. So we're going to have sex. <laughs> Because I got And we usually do. Men, we usually do. It just, I mean, <laughs> it, it really is just honesty and, and understanding that you're different people. You know, like, right. you don't, we don't have to agree on everything. We don't. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a woman. I'm actually glad that we don't agree on everything. Yeah, it makes us different perspectives on lives. Yeah. My, my whole thing with her, and we, we always debate this, is that I don't need you to agree. Just understand where I'm coming from. If you can understand where I'm coming from, you don't have to agree with it, but at least see why I believe that way. Then we cool. And I feel the same way too with him. Sometimes he's just like, well, just listen to me and understand. And I'm like, no, I need you to understand why I did what I did or why I made the decision that I made or why, you know, I'm not making this decision to do it. And I think that saves us a lot of the times, you know, sometimes speaking to other people, other friends who are in relationships, you know, it's one sided. One person's a talker, one person's not just even looking at our parents' experiences and stuff. You know, that's something that I kind of take bits and pieces from and kind of use it to help us. In this election cycle, arguing with your wife sometimes is like arguing with a Trump supporter about why they <laughs> want to be a Trump supporter. They got their reasons. Right. So I'm not going to try to convince you. Not nah, You got your reasons. Fine. I got my reasons. Yeah. So let's just go separate ways and not talk about this anymore. Mm-hmm. You make a choice to be here. I'll make a choice to be here. You like Trump. <laughs> We're not going to talk about it. Politics no more. All right. That's yeah. to me, that's how we handle some things. And I think another thing too is that we pick our battles. Like some things is like we really have to decide yeah. is it is it worth it at this time? We could be doing that so many true. things. We could be loving each other. We could be loving on our kids. We can be having a good time. We can be making money. Like why are we I don't argue really things. yeah, I think I we're just past say that. I just say whatever. Yeah. It's been too long. Fifteen years. I'm not arguing over who left the toilet seat up. I'm not doing that. Like, <laughs> petty, small, though. petty things. Yeah. I just, I take it on the chin. You right, babe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you right. 
But I think our big blowout arguments that we've had like over the years, we're, we're just all part of growing too. You know, when time came, you know, for us to just really figure things out, him deciding if he still wanted to be with just me or if he wanted to be with other people too. Like, still trying to grow up. That, that, yeah, I mean, you're doing a good job though. <laughs> Thanks. Good job. Thanks yeah. for the pets. But uh, but no, I mean it's just real. That's just what it is. Like nothing's been perfect for 15 years, and we'd be lying if we said it was. But it's worth it. It's fun too to argue. Sometimes. It's worth it. Like he likes to debate arguing. though. He does. Like before y'all got here, and I was just like, are we really doing this right now? I was nah, like, cancel I, the shoot. I, I don't even feel to, like doing it I no more. To, yeah, you just being mad. <laughs> I was like, you know how somebody just say something that's just so like outlandish, and she just wanted attention. It wasn't it's, attention. I was trying to finish my makeup. It was yo. two minutes. <laughs> Y'all about to be here two minutes. I had you had just sent me the email, and I walk in the house and I have an audition tomorrow. And when I get in audition mode, it'd be random times. I need you to take and a look just, at what I'm trying. I'm trying yeah. to develop this character. What do you think? <laughs> It'll take you thirty seconds, right? And she's looking in the mirror herself, and she's like, "Uh huh." So you can't even focus on me for thirty <laughs> seconds. But then the baby starts I'm like, crying. I didn't have 30 she seconds. drops everything, runs into the room. <laughs> So you can't pay attention you to me. You know what I'm talking seconds, about. But the baby cries. I got my six-year-old watching the baby. Stops. You just the, never know. The sister is here. She was in the bathroom. She's capable and she's a nurse. She's more qualified <laughs> to watch the baby than you are. <laughs> what? That's just the truth. His own mother? She's a nurse, yes. Anyway. So then I get mad. But you know what I don't do? I might even go argue about it. I just get quiet. Right? So now That's how she's, I know he's she's mad. at me. What's the matter? What's the matter? What's the matter? What's the matter? Nothing's the matter. What's the matter? What's the matter? You can just tell me what's wrong. Nothing. Nothing. Fine. Since you want to know what's wrong, I'm going to tell you what's wrong. As soon as I start telling what's wrong, she goes, oh. But you asked me. <laughs> now, we're not even arguing about, about the, the argument. argument. We arguing about the fact that you asked me <laughs> what the problem was. Right. Now we screaming. Her sister in the other room trying not to be awkward. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I'm ringing arguing. the doorbell. I'm like, oh God. So then, I don't got no pants on, right? <laughs> and then she talking about something. You know what? I don't want to do the shoot no more. I said, you do want to shoot. You want to know why? Because you don't got a goddamn choice to do the shoot. You can't have people coming over. Like, from I LA, have choices. They come here, and now you go at the last minute, said you're not doing it. You're doing the shoot. You acting like a baby. She's like, you acting like a baby. <laughs> Then y'all knocked on the door and she's talking about, so you want to get the door? I said, you want me to put pants on or you want me to go to the door butt naked? <laughs> Just like that. This All of this happened. Right. Then I open the door. I'm like, hey, <laughs> Tommy, you got on slippers. Hey, I was, hey, how you guys doing? Insane. That happened right before Just you came like in. That. Then I go in the back. She crying. Oh. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I actually, you made me poke myself in the eye so with you know stupid how I, eyeliner. You know how I settled it? Just, I just hugged her. <laughs> I said, baby, sometimes I can be mad. I know you were trying to play me, but whatever. I said, but you felt That's why we're actors. I said, I can be mad, and it's okay. We got to get through this thing. And she's like, but I don't feel like talking about black love. (laughs) But I don't feel like I love you right now. But this is black love, all right? (laughs) Yeah. And I brushed her hair like this. Perseverance, that's black love. And I wiped her face, and it was all over. Inside, I'm like, can't believe I got to fucking do this shit. I'm still mad because all I wanted you to do was listen to my listen to me create this character for the show. Right. That's all I wanted. When y'all go too, that's all we're gonna do. I'm gonna read sides with him and we're gonna do that. Press all of that for the sake of marriage. That that right there is the in a nutshell the epitome of marriage. How we deal. Epitome of marriage. There you go. She said she cared. Y'all care about my feelings. That's why I genuinely was asking you because you felt like I was just trying to just snub you and push your character to the side. And I was just like, we just need to cap the character because we have people coming in five minutes. Now, mind you, I had the kids this morning, had to get my hair done, try to look half decent for you. Look at my face. And he was just like, well, I had to work. I had to go to the gym. I had to. And I'm like, I understand that. So when I ask you genuinely, so ask what's you the question. matter? So let me ask you a question. I want to know what's the matter. my feelings, why get me in my feelings? <laughs> if you truly cared about my feelings, you wouldn't do the things oh. you do to get me in my feelings. Then expect me to get myself out of my feelings to make you feel better. <laughs> that's what, that's what women do. That's what women do. Y'all just don't get it. <laughs> you get me mad, then mad that I'm mad at you and expect me to not be mad no more. I just don't think you should have been mad to begin with. I don't think it was anything worth getting mad about. So then you don't care about my feelings. <laughs> no, I do. Y'all don't make no sense. You got to man up. You got to man up. I got to man up. I manned up. I hugged you and I wiped the, the hair out the side of your face. I did all of that. I did all of that. I manned up. And you smudged my eyeliner too. I didn't smudge your eyeliner. I'm going to smudge it later. Trust me. <laughs> Trust so me. Because I got to get this frustration out. Oh, gosh.
I said, this, I said the same thing too. I said, you know what? We wouldn't even be arguing if you'd have took 30 fucking seconds. <laughs> watched me with your undivided attention. Create this character and went back to your makeup. I was and then on watching top of it, through my mirror. I was like, I yo, see you. I, I, I was like, you God. didn't do it as animated this yo, time. I swear on everything. She made it seem like she could not stop. The baby said, wah. She dropped everything, ran to the other room. She's like, everything okay? And I'm counting in my head. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. She ain't come back for like 55 Mississippis. I was not done doing what I was doing. It's going to be like half those Mississippis, though. No, it was 55. I counted in my head because I was mad. That's what I do. Right. Then, like you said, after we was after it was over, I didn't, I just, did I say nothing to you? I didn't say nothing to you. I sat at the edge of the bed. I sat at the edge of the bed. I was on my phone like this. And she just kept poking, making it worse. I wasn't even poking. I was like, babe, what's the matter? I was watching you. you didn't really, I saw you through the but mirror. You didn't, here's, now, here's the other part. She didn't really want to know what's the matter. She just wanted to tell me. She wanted the invitation to tell me why I was feeling <laughs> I the way I was feeling. For that. Don't really matter. <laughs> that's that's all it was. It had nothing to do with my feelings. Yeah, I she don't just need an invitation for that, to though. open the door to say, this is why I'm mad. So she could cut me off. And so you shouldn't even be like that because... Blah, 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 blah. And that's what she done. And I know that. I know the that. day in the life. I know that. Like... Hey fam, it's me, Cody Lane Oliver, co-creator of Black Love and proud Howard grad. I'm just popping in to say thank you so much for listening to Black Love The Interviews and to share a little something that our friends at Target are doing to help uplift the next generation of Black talent. Target is teaming up with HBCUs to create Target's HBCU Design Challenge, where students submit designs to be included in Target's Black History Month collection. Plus, winners also receive a cash prize, equipment, mentoring, and networking opportunities. Make sure you check back during Black History Month to see all of the winners' designs that will be featured in Target's 2022 Black History Month collection. Celebrate your legacy, invest in the future. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. Visit Target.com slash Black Beyond Measure to learn more about Target's commitment to HBCUs. Oh, that transit. When we had Jackson, it, it came so naturally. Mm. I mean, it was one of those things where we, we were just like, let's see how it goes, you know, because you never know. You're together so many years, you're not sure, like, how fast you get pregnant, what will happen. So um, he was ready to shoot the club up. <laughs> As the minute he could. Um, and so, got pregnant like that. And I got pregnant just like that. Honeymoon baby. Honeymoon baby. So and I wanted kids. Yeah, we both wanted. We both knew that off the bat that we wanted kids. So having Jackson, um, I wouldn't even say it was like a major transition for us. It really just happened so organically and so naturally for us that he he was just uh, everything. Jackson kept us together during our hardest times because, True. like I said, we had just came back from Michigan. Mm-hmm. We were trying to build a business. She was working. Our whole lives had changed. When you're in college, it's almost like a utopia. I was on scholarship. She was on scholarship. You live mm-hmm. in the dorm. There's no bills. Nope. Now you're playing in the NFL. Oh, all the bills are covered. And there's a surplus. We just chilling. I'm at home. Then you come back to Brooklyn. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it's like, oh, God, I got to build a home. business. You got to work in retail. Uh, and no. then she's oh, pregnant man. and had a baby. Jackson was almost like, you know, I talk about God putting things in place for you at the perfect time. He was the perfect time. Because yeah. it was time perfect that I know timing. she did not want to see me. I didn't want to see her. And we always was just like, but look what we created. Look, right. Just look. Look at, I'm like, look at this. The best of you and the best of me all packaged up in one. Like, how could we not be happy every day? And coming home to Jackson after work, mm-hmm. after long retail days was just, it was just everything. So I think that gave us a little bit more motivation. I mean, his business took off and, mm-hmm. and skyrocketed. He, he started his business with a, about six kids, I think. Yeah, six kids. About six kids in 2010 when he, we returned to Brooklyn. Then in 2011, it was 30. In 2010, when I retired, I started a mentorship program for young boys in Brooklyn. And it was all based on speed, agility, and strength training, but also helping them get into college. And quickly from year one to year three, it went from six kids that I was mainly paying their memberships for in a mentorship program to a full-fledged business, 120 clients, plus adult clients, and personal training clients. And it went from not just only football, we had basketball, volleyball, baseball, softball. The business just really took off. And I think a large part of why it took off is because it was genuine. Like, I did not want to start a training business, but I just wanted to help kids. And there was a niche for it. And people loved my energy. They loved what I was offering to the kids. So 
they jumped on and she saw me through that whole that whole business and I would bring Jackson to the gym when Jackson was born. So he's one year old, two years old on the treadmill doing stuff. It was it was just great and the yeah, business now fun. is we moved to a huge facility, have over seven hundred clients. We've helped over seventy five kids get scholarships. I have kids playing in the NFL now. I actually feel kind of old. Yeah, you keep when, saying my kids and I know, college. I'm like, that shouldn't even be in the same sentence. When a grown man <laughs> that's been in the year in the NFL five years comes back and says, what's up, Coach DeVal? Yeah. You start to look well, at I heard yourself. someone call you the other day old, old, OG. Oh, why do you sound so old saying OG? You I think it was OG, OG right? Yeah, I'm just making sure I got it right. Yeah, he called but yeah, I heard someone call you OG. I was like, OG. I slap him too, but I was- <laughs> It's gonna be mad. I know. I had That's to hold, be hold you back. To stay young. I had to hold you back. Yeah, you had to hold me back. I was yeah, getting like, mad. Like, oh, gee. Oh, how about the time we went to one of his kids' parties, their graduation party? And they were all like in the backyard dancing and stuff. So we went back there and we were like, hey. And slowly we were like the only, the only ones, there. ones back. I they was all like, went from they all left. Outside, inside. And, <laughs> and I, I could see like, on their face. I was like, Deval, did they leave because we came out here? Yeah, I was like, I can't rock with you no more. You old. I'm, I'm old. You older than me. You what? got kids. We like, you got kids. kids. <laughs> no, listen. I have kids of my own? <laughs> no, I mean, we have kids. But right. We had kids. I know. So you are old. You are MILF. I'm so cool, That's though. what the kids call you, a MILF. I'm so cool. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah that's a good like, thing. Yeah, because kids be like, yo, Coach Deval, your wife is a MILF. And I'd be like, listen, man. Listen, I know she's a MILF. All right? I don't need you to They're tell cute, me. They're cute, though. I have like 700 sons. That's how yeah, That's how it is. They call her Mrs. Coach D. The Mrs. Coach D or Miss E, you Ms. know. E. And I'm like, oh, God, that sounds old. They love her, too. Somebody call me she Ma E. I'm like, please don't call me Ma. Please don't. Yeah, uh, Kareem calls you Ma. I know. And I was like, Kareem, please don't. Just call me Kadeen. <laughs> Jackson is five, going to be six in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Cairo is six months. So they're about five years and a half, five and a half years apart. On purpose? On purpose. Yes. On purpose. I know I get a lot of flack sometimes, especially my mom is like, you should have had them closer together so they can grow together. But it worked for us. You know, one thing when you become a parent, you get so much advice and you get so much, you know, skeptics out there telling you how to do what to do. But we knew we, we just wanted to enjoy Jackson as much as we could. And I think we fully were able to do that. I mean, um, we were able to really learn so much about him, what he liked, what he disliked, you know, really pour all of ourselves into it. That too. I mean, hey, you know, kids call something. You were still working. Yeah. Acting wasn't really taken off at that point yet. So it was like, right. It just wasn't. Relax everybody. Yeah. You got bills. You know how people get, it's just like, when you get married, oh, you married, when you have kids, oh, you have one kid, when you have another one. It's like, (laughs) yeah, stop clocking my uterus. Remember, uh, was the nursery we took him to the the school search oh yeah so we go to brooklyn friends right changed my whole life right here independent school independent school you know jackson gets into the independent school so i'm hype right now like yo you see my son he's going to 99 on the gifted and talented you gonna be, <laughs> gonna be smart you're gonna be smart like his mama so she says well brooklyn friends is nursery you know it's a private school it may be a little bit expensive so I go, um, how expensive are Wait, hold on. You know when you see a menu and they don't give you the prices? Yeah, it was that. One of those. The tuition ain't I was like, I can't website. find a tuition on the website. So. Why is that? So then she, she says to me, she gets the package from them, right? Yep. And got she, that email. She goes, That's um, the email. Yeah, so it's about $3,000. And I'm like, $3,000? That's not bad for a uh, private school. She says, no, per month. <laughs> Per month. Ah, nursery, you, <laughs> what can you guarantee me my four-year-old is going to do for $30,000 a year? And people are right here talking about some when y'all having more kids. Man, please. <laughs> Man, please. I, yo. I was like, homeschooling is an option. And I don't you know. Homeschool, public school. Public school. <laughs> I, I was like, I went to public school. I turned out no fine. Way. You talk about economics. Every wealthy person I know, I know a couple of them, told me this. And it's one thing I'll tell everybody. Do not spend money on early childhood education is not going to guarantee that your child is going to be successful. Think about it this way numbers wise. If you spend $30,000 a year on your child's education times 15 years, that's $450,000 invested in their education and your kid could still be a dingbat. <laughs> you better off putting that money in a trust, let them figure out life when they're mature enough to deal with that investment, give them that investment. And I was like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. Once again, I'm making another reference to Donald Trump. He ain't the smartest guy, but you give a dumbass a million dollars, he could turn it into a billion dollar corporation. I if you to give Donald Trump that million dollars when he's three, 
he would finger paint it away. Exactly. I mean, he's not doing much exactly. more now, but all right. Not, there's no way. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's one tip I can yeah. give parents so. for all the wealthy people I know. Tell and, me, spending money on early child education, unless your child has an issue. And sometimes they do have an issue and you need to, but other than that, because I know, I mean, both of your aunts, I mean, your aunt has three sons. Mm-hmm. They went to private school and one didn't go to private school and they all turned out well. Right. I didn't go to private school. And, I chose private yeah, school. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, so much of what happens is at home. Like school is just reinforcement for us. She honestly, is a education I am like, she's on the, on go the get books. Go get a book. You know, so, so much of what I invest at home in Jackson mm-hmm. um, was another reason why it was like five years of me really just being very hands on with him and being able to invest in him and, and making sure that he knows the things he's supposed to know so he can be prepared even at the wee bitty ages of like three, four and five, you know? So once Jackson was out of his baby phase and he was finally independent and moving on his own and you know, all that, I was like, all right, let's get it popping. I, I missed that, I had that baby fever coming in and I missed it. And you might experience that at some point too, you know, so. We're not gonna wait as long for the next one though. You're gonna have three? Yeah. We're gonna go for three. Yeah, we're gonna she go wants for a girl. it. I want a girl too, I'm not gonna lie. If I get three boys though, you're gonna see me walking around like, <laughs> Lucia's lying, I ain't gonna lie. Like, Lucia's jungle, <laughs> right? But oh gosh. if I have a girl, Right. Oh my gosh. We just want healthy babies. As cliche as it sounds, you know what it's like being pregnant. You just want a healthy baby. But yeah, we'll go for it. We're both from families of three. I have a brother and a sister, and so does he. And we're both the oldest of three. So we kind of feel like three is kind of the norm. Yeah. The, the transition from two, uh, one child to two was easy for us, I think mainly because Jackson is so independent now right. that I didn't feel as if I was caring for another child. You know? Um, we have a lot of help, too. We do have a lot of help. Her parents are great. My parents help out. Her brother and sister. They, They're always here. My sister's here now minutes. with the kids. So, so moving cross-country is going to be um, a challenge for us. That's definitely yes. going to be new because we're literally moving to a location that's six hours away by plane and we have no family there. So yeah, that pa- baby number three conversation was was happening maybe this fall and then I was like, I don't know what's gonna happen if it's just gonna be the two of us out there. We, we made the decision together to move to LA mainly because, you know, for me career-wise, it was just the next step. You know, I've, I've been doing well in TV out here in New York, but everyone is telling me if you really want to progress in TV, film, you have to be in L.A. Um, not, for, not for nothing, too. I just think that we like change. Like, we're both yeah. creative people. I can't be in one place too long without feeling like I'm claustrophobic. And it's just the norm does not. I, I hate it. I, I need change. We were in Michigan for three years. We moved back. We've been here for seven years. I feel like I'm it's just time to. for a change. And um, the weather is there. I'm tired of shoveling snow. I'm tired of looking for parking. <laughs> Bundling these kids up and putting yeah. on layers and, and all that. Yeah, I think it's it's just due, t- due time for change. Um, and also, too, when you have children, your perspective changes so much mm-hmm. on just everything, not to mention your immediate surroundings. Like, some days, Jackson just wants to go outside to a park and play. And I... I'm not okay with just sending him outside or, or taking him outside sometimes to these local parks because they don't really have it's much crowded. to offer. It's, it's crowded and, you know, we're just looking for a nice change of pace finally. Like, it's the hustle and bustle in Brooklyn and New York is great, but we're looking for quality of life now that our kids are getting older. So, Moving to L.A. to me does not make me nervous. Going through everything we've been through in our whole lives, I feel like I can make anything happen anywhere. And L.A. has more creativity, it's more opportunity, so I feel like we can thrive. Financially, we're set up to the point where my businesses can function here, so we're not even worried about the economics of it. It's really just the logistics. And I feel like we can figure the logistics out. She's great with figuring out logistics. I, I was about to say, don't let him fool you. I'm scared <laughs> as all hell. And Maybe you know why? About, I don't think about that. He doesn't think about that think stuff. And he's he's absolutely right. He does not think about how things work. All he sees <clears throat> is the end product. For example, if we go on vacation, Deval just follows behind me. See that finger? <laughs> you want to break that finger? Stop. Leave my finger. He just follows behind. He doesn't even pack for himself because he's just like, oh, Kadeen got me. And he's not picky like that. That's the good thing, though. He's not like, oh, I need to be wearing this with that. And I ain't no. gonna argue. He's just like, nope. hey, just uh, tell me where to be. I'll show up. I'll carry the bags because you will carry the we bags. We have our roles in you know? this relationship. So Now, I believe in, I believe marriage works when people have roles. The roles don't have to be traditional, but I feel like the roles work 
if there's two people that are working on a team. Whatever the so role is. Whatever yeah. the role is. So, for example, in this case right now, I'm the one that drives the revenue. So, since I drive revenue, that gives her an opportunity to live free and make sure that everything else is taken care of, which is not a small task. Like, what kills me is that people feel like, oh, if you're a stay-at-home mom, and first of all, she's not a stay-at-home mom because she has her own makeup business, so she travels just as much as I do doing makeup, and she generates revenue, but majority of my revenue pays for everything. But you know how hard it is to... She manages all of my taxes for all of my businesses. I have seven businesses. Deval just comes up with ideas, and he was like, here. I come like, up with here. ideas, I start LLCs. Here's an idea. Catch it. All the paperwork for the like, LLCs goes on her desk. Yeah. She tells me when to meet with the tax people. She manages all of the economics for everything in this house. And all we do is just, we just go. I create the ideas. The money comes in. She manages it. That's not easy, but that's our roles, and it works for us. Right. It works for us. I'm not going to sit there and say, this is the way it has to be and women should be at home. Because I know other people who, the men manage all everything and the women are out there making the money. To me, I just feel like there has to be roles in a relationship. In our relationships, she's the manager. She's the organizer. That's what works for her. I feel comfortable dumping stuff on her because I know she can handle it. She's a strong woman. She dealt with me. She managed me for the past 15 years. Look at me. (laughs) He's a handful. She managed me. She can manage anything. So moving to LA, I know she's probably nervous. Yeah, she'll, I was. she'll hit the ground running, and then within three months, she'll have a system, and she'll tell me, "Don't touch this. The finger gonna come out. Don't touch that. <laughs> I put that there. This don't go there." And I'm gonna just be like, "All right, well, I got an audition, and right. I need you to pay attention for <laughs> ten seconds." Right, just while you develop we'll your character, good. I get it. I we'll get be it. Good. Like, I know. That- yeah, I know we'll be fine. I mean, what did start to make me feel a little bit better, too, is that my mom even mentioned, like, hey, I might potentially decide to come out there for a little bit, too. You know, she's looking for a change of pace. So if my mother was to come out there, child, we could have this third baby. We could do whatever we want. I give you and we'll be fine. Number one, we're not living in L.A. with your mom. Not in the same she place, though. She can live though. near us. <laughs> <laughs> we're not living with your mom. Are you going to put her in the valley or where is it? No, where are we not It has going? to be at least 20 minute drive. <laughs> at least. Because your mom's known to pop up. If she pop in, she's going to see something popping out she might not want to see. <laughs> You're so stupid. Right? I'll give you some perspective to why I trust this woman. <laughs> in 2008 to 2009, we moved back to Brooklyn from Michigan. I had to pay for two houses and rent, two car notes. My aunt car note had no job. And we fine. Still not for pulse. nothing. Not for nothing. Yes. Yeah, I pulse. came back. I said, baby, I got an idea. I got an idea. And she was just like, Here he go. And not for nothing. We, Here had a, he go. we had a huge argument. <laughs> she was just like, you don't want to play football no more? And I was just like, no. Because he had the opportunity to go to Canada. I and I was just like, I got a passport. You got a passport. Yeah, like, What's holding who us wants back? To play football in Canada. Who wants to do that? I don't know. I was, at that point, we were almost. We were almost. I was at that point desperate. And and also too, not for nothing. <laughs> I felt as if when Deval does something or has a task at hand, he needs to do it to his standards and to the best of his ability. And he always does that. That's one thing I admire about him is his work ethic. Yes. His work ethic, his determination, his drive. He's relentless. If he wants something, he gets it. I think that's why he's even gotten as far as he has so far in the acting industry. You know, yeah. being being guest stars on guest star roles and stuff on shows, people don't get that for years. And he's only, what, three, almost four years in the business. Grind and he's been baby. doing really well. So I admire that so much about him. He's all dramatic. So that's 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 the good thing. However, oh god, I don't remember what I was talking about. I don't either. <laughs> you, you always make me do this. Um, so you're great with that. I admire that about focus. you. Your focus. I get whatever I want. Yes, he does. Yes. So back to the NFL and his football career, I felt as if he still had something to prove. I feel as if, and not for anyone else, but for himself. I feel like he wasn't able to really go out there and play and be able to retire with an NFL career that he felt he can retire on and say, I did my best. I had my shot. I hate this you know? And But you know what's funny? I didn't want to play football. I was a basketball player in high school. I didn't play football until my junior year. I walked on the hospital so I get my bills paid for for college. I got that. We had the same conversation in college. I said to her, you know what? I really don't want to try for the NFL. I don't. I said I was content. I was an All-American. I had got offered an opportunity to be to work on the Jack Hayes in the, uh, right. the athletic office mm-hmm. as an apprentice to become an athletic director. The, uh, I spoke. I was a keynote speaker at the athletic banquet. The president loved me. So I said, yo, I can get a job making 75 to 90K coming out of college. I can do that. She called my receiver coach. Again. 
He calls me on the phone. Coach if you don't give it a shot, you're going to feel like... And I was just kind of like, you know, maybe you're right. But I, I just... Football is not my love. Mm-hmm. So then I go and try out. I didn't get picked the way I wanted. I wanted to be drafted. I didn't get drafted. And I wasn't even a high-priority free agent. So I had something to prove. I had to prove that I belonged in the NFL. I made it. I played for three years. I made the team. I had proved everything I wanted to. Never in my life did I ever say I want to be a Hall of Famer. My dreams growing up was to be on stage, getting an Oscar, to have a billboard in L.A. or New York, running across the street with my shirt open like Will Smith. Get your butt naked ass down on the ground. That's what I want to do. That's my dream. He wants to run so bad in a movie. So I want to run. So I want to just be running down the street, chasing people. I want to make people laugh. Like, people don't get, she didn't get that. We, yo, for 18 months. We were at each other's throats because she wanted me to play football. I didn't want to play football. My father called my agent behind my back, got me a workout with the Jets. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I'm, in there, I'm in there working out with the Jets. I'm out of shape. I didn't give a shit. And it's just like, guys, I'm done. This this thing called acting, I want to do this. Right. So moving to me, if I was able to go to Detroit, right, on my own, mm-hmm. no no contract, tell Young couldn't get a contract. Right. You trusted me. We made it happen. Right. L.A., I'm gonna make it happen. That's exactly what I said to him. Yep, that's exactly. So I've I've trusted him. Um, and you coming with me? Detroit, right. I had to do my own the first year. No, of course. When absolutely. you coming with me, it's a wrap. You, it's a it's a wrap. He's a man of his word. I, I will swear, say that. I swear, it's a wrap. I know it is. It's a wrap. I, I, I can. Like I have total faith. Home. Total faith in, it. and it's not for lack of faith. So don't get me wrong. That's not it. It's just like I said. You're moving with children, and you have these two little people who are dependent on you, and we don't have nobody. By the time we're 60, I look forward to just spending time with him again, just the two of us. The kids will be out by then. No grandkids yet, because ain't nobody got time for that. But I do want us to be able to just enjoy more of each other, to be able to just travel and 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 by that time just be able to look at what we've what we've established, look at our children grow. I mean, to be able to continue to enjoy life. I mean, I feel like in every area that we've been in every transition period we found a way to enjoy and to have experiences and to make memories and and really just um live in the moment so it's not often that we talk too much about that far ahead but we do know that whatever we're going to do is going to be together yeah i have i have goals that i want to set like i always i want to create generational wealth i feel like the world has more to offer than just the top layer that what we see. I want to see, first of all, I want to help humanity. I want to help people of all different race, races, ages, religions. I want to see the world. The world is so big. I feel like we live in a box and we feel like our box only exists, whether it's Brooklyn or LA or whatever. I want to experience all parts of it, the earth and the world. And I want to be able to do it without limitations. And in order to do that, I feel like we have to create an empire so that we can live comfortably and do those things. I want my sons to have a different life Mm -hmm. than I lived. Um, I feel like as black people, many times we're not able to offer generational wealth to our kids. So our kids see the world through a very foggy lens because there's so much, you can't do this, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. And I wanna be able to provide my sons with a different type of lifestyle. And my son's sons, and my son's son's sons, I want them to have the same advantages in the world as not for nothing white people. I feel like white people, run the world they want to conquer everything which is fine but since you want to conquer shit i want to conquer shit too and i'm not going to take a back seat like a second citizen second class citizen to the whole world i'm going to do everything i can to get as much for my family so we can do everything we want to do and i look forward to that i feel like that's my life purpose to give my family everything and then once i get it share it especially with black culture like there's so much black culture has to offer that people don't even know you know, everybody thinks about what's black history? Oh, it's slavery. You know what ain't fucking slavery? You ever been to Egypt? My second, my son's name is Cairo. Do you know where history started? People don't read books about it. I, I want to show the world our culture as black people. And I feel like that's my purpose. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's my purpose on earth. And I feel like the only way I could achieve that is if I have her with me to help me make that happen. I can't do that by myself. We can do it together. And I want my sons to experience. And that's what I look forward to. Yeah, when I'm 60, I want to sit back our life and say look at what we did we've changed the narrative that's the biggest you know? thing we uh, we talk about this uh, a mission statement i created in college was each day i work to build a legacy not to be defined by my greatness but by the masses i inspired to be greater than myself and it's all about paying it forward 
And what better way than to do that with the love of my life, who's a woman, who other than black people have been oppressed since the dawn of time. So it's like, I'm, I just want to do that. I want to do that with her. I want, I want, like, we only got one Beyonce, you know? Like, oh, she runs the world. No, there's so many women who run the world. I want us to do that. Yeah, so many don't black you want, women. Don't you so want many to run black the world? Women. I know. Don't you want to run it? Definitely, together. Put on so many women. <laughs> you know what I mean? You ain't put on no I ain't single no more, though. I can nah. still do the dance. Nah. <laughs> nah, you ain't single. But not for nothing. I feel like we're so blessed, I think, for that reason, because... Anything that we do, we try to do it very genuinely and we do it organically. Mm -hmm. Like Deval starting his business with the sole purpose to help children in mm -hmm. Brooklyn, young black men, young black women who would not even know how to, to make it to college if it weren't yeah. for utilizing mm -hmm. athletics as like that vehicle to get them there and showing them how there's life just outside of this small bubble. I think that we've just been so fortunate and so blessed because anything that we do is genuinely from the heart. and. When that happens, it ten, ten times over, tenfold, it just comes back to us, you know. So we'll continue to pay it forward together in so many different areas, um, especially with our too. sons. And yeah, like, just, I don't think people understand the knowledge of what goes on in this world. Like, not just this country, but the majority of the world is a capitalist country that's based on oppression. And they look at Africans and Africans as the people that can be oppressed. So, just this, this for example. This is a perfect example of what we need in our culture because part of the system to keep us oppressed is to have us believe that we can't do this. We can't build exactly. like this. And they wanted to put that in our young girls and our young sons and make them believe, oh, having a, a marriage, having kids and building generational mm -hmm. wealth. No. You know why? Because black women are too hard to deal with. Mm -hmm. Black men are too angry. That's part of the, that's what they want. Right. That's what they want. I want to be a part of the narrative that changes that and say, yes, we can. Because we were kings and queens and this is what we do. And, and we, we did it are. before y'all did it. Yep. That's that. I feel like that's what, that's what we all should do as we gain more success and share and just grow. Like really that's, I honestly feel like that's what, that's what I want to do. Yep.